transition from fossil fuels to a carbon-neutral economy by 2050 requires urgent action in all sectors relevant to EU policies on climate and energy. The regulatory approaches adopted under the Clean Energy Package and Climate and Energy Framework are connected through EU's overall climate and decarbonization targets for 2030 and 2050. This podcast discusses the key aspects of two interrelated regulatory instruments of the EU climate and energy policy framework, namely the effort sharing regulation and the so-called LULUCF regulation on land use, land use change and forestry. My name is Seita Rompanen. I work as a senior lecturer on international environmental law at the Center for Climate Change, Energy and Environmental Law at the Law School of the University of Eastern Finland. The podcast will first introduce the overarching framework of the two regulations. This introductory part will also briefly remind the audience on the climate and decarbonization targets for 2030 and 2050. These targets drive the EU's climate and energy agendas and connect the different regulatory approaches together. The second part of this podcast focuses on discussing the key elements of the two two regulatory instruments, the effort sharing regulation and the LULUCF regulation. Third, The podcast will end with a few concluding notions that bring the discussion back to the broader context of EU climate and energy law to highlight the next steps of development of this dynamic field of EU law. I will now move on to the main part of my podcast and I'll start by introducing the targets the two regulations are for. The urgency of enhanced action to combat climate change, the European clean energy transition, and our transformation to a modern, resource-efficient and competitive carbon-neutral economy by 2050 require massive regulatory efforts from the EU to effectively facilitate this systemic change. These regulatory efforts go across the EU climate and energy agendas. EU's climate targets are implemented into the revised EU climate and energy framework. This framework includes three key targets for 2030. First, EU and its member states are committed to a legally binding target of at least least 40% domestic reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 compared to the levels in 1990. Second, the framework currently currently includes a 32% target to increase the share of renewable energy in final energy consumption by 2030. Thirdly, a target of of at least 32.5% for energy efficiency to be achieved collectively by the EU is also included. Of these three headline targets, the 40% cuts in greenhouse gas emissions is implemented through EU climate law, whereas the targets for renewable energy and energy efficiency are incorporated in the clean energy package that drives the transition away from fossil fuels towards cleaner energy. The EU's newly enshrined target to be the world's first climate neutral continent by 2050 is an overarching target that merges these regulatory agendas, 
the EU Climate and Energy Framework and the Clean Energy Package into one EU growth strategy. The EU's carbon neutrality target was agreed in December 2019 in a communication called the European Green Deal. All of the sectors for action are strongly interlinked and reinforce one another. To deliver the European Green Deal and the systemic change required by it, there's a need for policies for clean energy supply across sectors, including sectors such as transport and agriculture. These are among the key sectors under the effort-sharing regulation. On the other hand, biomass is the largest source of renewable energy in the EU and, and will most likely remain as such also beyond 2030. The consumption of bioenergy, especially, is expected to increase as the EU works towards its renewable energy targets. Forest management is the main source of biomass for energy in Europe, and the LULUCF regulation is centrally about climate performance of forest management. This was my introductory part, and I will now move on to discuss the effort sharing regulation and the LULUCF regulation. So now my focus from this broader framework will shift to the EU climate and energy framework and namely to two of its instruments. The EU has reformed its, its legislative framework tackling climate change in order to implement its commitments under the Paris Climate Agreement. Together with the EU emissions trading system, the effort sharing and LULUCF regulations form the essence of the policy through which the EU aims to meet the Paris Climate Agreement's global target and it, it, its internal climate targets. For those who are not familiar with the three sectors, I'll explain them briefly. The EU emission trading system, so the EU ETS, covers energy-intensive industry sectors such as power and heat generation. The effort-sharing sectors cover emissions from non-ETS sectors, including those from road transport, buildings, agriculture and waste. Over half of the greenhouse gas emissions originate from these sectors. The LULUCF regulation on land use, land use change and forestry, brings the land use sector effectively into the 2030 climate and energy framework. The LULUCF sector was not included in the earlier EU climate and energy package for 2020. All of these three sectors contribute collectively to the 40% reduction target. Whereas the effort sharing sector is focused on limiting greenhouse gas emissions, the new LULUCF sector measures both remo removals and emissions of CO2 and is accordingly also unique in regulatory terms. The term emissions refers to emissions of greenhouse gases, such as CO2, to the atmosphere through human processes. Removals refer to removing CO2 from the atmosphere. Forest management offers a feasible process for removing carbon from the atmosphere. Forests act as an important carbon sink by absorbing CO2 from the atmosphere and are thus the, a key factor in the efforts to reach net zero emissions and carbon neutrality. 
Next, I'll turn to explain the key features of the effort sharing regulation. The effort sharing regulation was revised in 2018 and introduces a collective approach to climate change mitigation together with a built-in concept of solidarity through the assumption of differentiated emission reduction obligations by the member states. Although the system of effort sharing has matured and changed over the years, its central elements remain in the regulation for 2030. To ensure cost effectiveness, fairness and solidarity, the underlying principles of climate and energy policies, the member states' efforts under the regulation are distributed based on the member states' GDP. In addition to the national emission reduction targets, member states are required to meet emission limits in the form of so-called annual emission allocations, which indicate each member state's carbon budget and the amount it can emit under its individual target within the effort-sharing sectors. The idea of the dual approach, so having national targets as well as the annual emission allocations, is that the more concrete annual annual emission allocations are expected to build a steady trajectory for the member states to ensure they decrease emissions at a constant pace throughout the compliance period. Like the LULU-CF regulation, also the effort share regulation takes into account member states' varying economic capacities, not only in setting different national targets, but also, for example, in enhancing the flexibility mechanisms conditionally available for the member states to help help them to comply with their emission reduction targets at a less expense. Flexibilities refer to rules that allow certain leeway in how the member states are required to comply with their targets. The flexibilities enable greenhouse gas emission reductions to be made where and when they can be implemented in the least costly way and thus increase possibilities to adapt to annual changes in emission levels. So the effort-sharing regulation permits the member states certain conditional flexibilities in meeting their annual emission allocations to increase the cost-effectiveness of their emission reduction paths. In practice, flexibilities refer to the possibility to borrow a limited amount of allocations from the following compliance year if yearly emissions are higher than the annual emission allocations, or vice versa. The member states can also bank surpluses and use them in later years. The flexibilities also allow, allow certain me- member states to use a limited amount of allowances from the EU ETS to comply with their annual emission allocations. And finally, there's a flexibility mechanism that connects the effort-sharing and LULUCF sectors. Member states can use a limited amount of net removals from the LULUCF sector if the LULUCF sector produces extra removals. However, strict conditions apply to the use of flexibilities. The flexibilities afforded by the effort-sharing regulation have been criticized with concern expressed over the environmental integrity of this approach. For example, 
banking and borrowing have been seen to delay mitigation action at a time when urgent and timely action should be the fundamental principle. It has it has also been argued that the LULUCF sector should not be used to offset emissions from the effort-sharing sector due to the uncertainties related to the natural carbon cycle that are inherent to the LULUCF sector. Some words on reporting compliance and review. The effort sharing regulation requires annual reporting to the Commission, including the intended use of flexibilities. The Commission's formal compliance check takes place once every five years. Like the LULUCF regulation, the effort share regulation is also synchronized with the five-year review cycle of the Paris Climate Agreement. This means that the regulation is kept under review considering evolving national circumstances, different sectors' contributions to greenhouse gas emission reductions, and international developments and efforts undertaken to achieve the long-term objectives of the Paris Climate Agreement. In its review after each global stocktake, the Commission evaluates the appropriateness of the annual emission allocations and the effort-sharing regulations overall functioning. The Commission may make proposals towards additional measures and, for example, adjust the annual emission allocations based on this review. The strong review clause that I just explained encapsulates the new dynamics built into the effort sharing regulation. Instead of being a static legislative instrument, the regulation's development is integrated with the global climate regime and is expected to be reviewed and revised. Next, some final words to conclude the part on effort sharing regulation. Unlike the EU ETS sectors, those covered by the effort sharing regulation are not, in principle, regulated at the EU level. This means that the member states are responsible for national policies and measures to reduce emissions from sectors covered by the effort sharing regulation, provided that they comply with the greenhouse gas emission targets and annual emission allocations Member states retain substantive freedom in developing and implementing their national policies under the regulation. The concept of effort sharing also reflects the strong interdependence between international and EU climate policies, which adds a dynamic dimension to the evolution of the effort sharing sector. These aspects also mean that the effort-sharing regulation's effectiveness largely depends on member states and member states' ability to lay down appropriate, far-reaching and ambitious national climate measures capable of contributing to the collective climate target. However, a range of EU-wide measures are in place to help member states to reduce emissions from the non-ETS sectors, such as transport, which is a key example of a sector in which the EU has taken action in terms of tackling persistent greenhouse gas emissions from road transport. Other relevant examples include measures such as those taken in the context of renewable energy and energy efficiency. In the broader context of the regulation, 
the linkages and cross-cutting themes between and even within the sectors are relevant in the light of the pressing climate goal of reducing emissions. Let's now move on to discuss the LULUCF regulation. The LULUCF regulation was adopted in May 2018 after almost two years of intensive negotiations to harmonize member states' diverging views on how to account for emissions and removals from the land use sector. The LULUCF sector plays an important role in mitigate, mitigating climate change. About one-third of the anthropocentric CO2 emissions are removed by terrestrial ecosystems, mainly by forests. In the EU, the sector has been a relatively stable net sink for, of greenhouse gases. Projections show, however, that the increasing demand for timber and especially biomass for bioenergy, partly driven by EU's own policies concerning renewable energy, combined with the aging structure of forest, this sink risks declining in the EU. This is worrying in the light of the Paris Climate Agreement's mitigation objectives that require the reaching and sustaining of net zero global anthropocentric CO2 emission levels between 2050 and 2075, and negative emissions, so meaning removal of CO2 from the atmosphere by the end of this century. Forest management represents a scientifically feasible and cost-effective way of removing carbon from the atmosphere, while the credibility of the other negative emission technologies, such as bioenergy with carbon capture and storage, as a climate change mitigation option remains partly unproven. The LULUCF regulation is based largely on the no-debit rule that requires member states to ensure that emissions from the LULUCF sector do not exceed removals in the period from 2021 to 2030. In other words, the LULUCF sector may not become a net source of greenhouse gas emissions. It should be noted that the requirement refers to at least a balance between emissions and removals. Thus, while enshrining a key starting point, the LULUCF regulation neither prohibits the member states from reducing nor incentivizes them to increase their sinks. To measure emissions and removals from the LULUCF sector and show compliance with the no debit rule, member states must apply accounting rules. These accounting rules are divided between five land accounting categories. The most central land accounting category is managed for forest land. To highlight, for the first time, emissions from the use of biomass for energy are also included in accounting. Member states must prepare and maintain accounts for each category to ensure that the no debit rule in the LULUCF sector is met. Emissions from the use of biomass can be accounted for as zero in the energy sector if accounted for in the LULUCF sector. 
This is an underlying issue in the regulation because forest management is a key source of biomass for energy. The demand for biomass is increasing worldwide and forest biomass in particular is set to play a focal role on the European clean energy transition agenda. Consequently, there is a growing need to assess the availability of sustainable biomass and how to use it in a climate smart manner. Hence, the LULUCF regulation scope also directly interlinks not only with EU's renewable energy policies, but also more broadly to the clean energy and decarbonization agendas. The LULUCF regulation also provides for a range of flexibilities. In principle, flexibilities enable a member state to use allocations from the effort-sharing sector to meet its, its commitment by, for example, buying and selling net removals from and to an, another member state or balancing emissions from one land accounting category against removals from another land accounting category within the LULUCF sector itself. Member states may also bank net removals from the first to second commitment period. To note, however, the purpose of the flexibilities is to help member states to meet their no-debit rule, not to make it less stringent. The overall ambition level of the EU's greenhouse gas emission reduction targets must be maintained. Next, few words on accounting of the emission removals from the managed forest land. Perhaps the LULUCF regulation's most legally challenging provision is that, that which relates to the accounting of emissions and removals from managed forest land against a so-called forest reference level. Member states must set their own forest referen reference levels as a part of their national forestry accounting plans and submit their proposals to the Commission for a final approval. In short, the forest reference level compares the change in the forest carbon sink to an earlier point in time. Depending on the reference level, increasing the use of the forest will decrease the sink, so cause emissions, and the resulting debit needs to be compensated for by emission reductions in the other sectors, like in the effort-sharing sectors. If the reference level is met or even exceeded, so there's removal of emissions, the excess can be used for flexibilities either within the LULUCF sector or between the LULUCF and effort-sharing sectors. The regulations Article 8 on the forest reference levels must be read carefully in the dynamic context of the rest of the provision. Other relevant articles, recitals and annexes of the LULUCF regulation. I will now briefly introduce the central normative elements of this important article. The forest reference levels uh, is tied to the continuation of sustainable forest management practices as they were documented in years 2000 to 2009. The forest reference levels hence assume that future forest management practices are continued essentially as they were earlier in the reference period. The regulation does not define forest management practices in detail, 
but simply refers to an to activities undertaken to manage a forest. For example, the total harvest volume of a member state may vary from year to year and may differ from the total harvest volume during the reference period as the forest reaches harvest maturity. The concept of forest management practice, however, encompasses both qualitative and quantitative aspects. In line with the Paris Agreement's objectives, the LULUCF regulation contains several explicit references to the need to maintain, enhance and strengthen things in the context of the long-term climate strategy. It is important to underline that the key driver of the new EU LULUCF policy is to maintain, enhance and strengthen things in the long term as we need things, especially forest for carbon removal. Emission reductions alone are not enough to meet the Paris Agreement's climate targets. These provisions entail that the action taken by the member states to manage their forests, including harvest volumes, need, need to be consistent with the other provisions of the LULUCF regulation, but especially in line with the requirement to maintain enhanced and strengthen sinks. Member states are free to pursue and develop the management practices they consider appropriate, both in the context of their national policies and as fair share of their climate effort. Therefore, the process of determining the forest reference levels clearly affords member states the opportunity to define sustainable forest management with a content that non- not only enables full compliance with the no debit rule, but also addresses the need to maintain or strengthen long-term carbon sinks. Moreover, actions taken within the LULUCF sector and those required within other sectors are interrelated. Given the overarching reduction target of at least 40%, the LULUCF sector is a net source of emissions or becomes so For example, in the event that substantial increase in the use of forest causes the sink to decline and cause emissions, this must be compensated for emissions reductions in other sectors. In other words, a member state that allows its sink to decline in the long term must also commit to compensating for this decline elsewhere within its climate policy through, for example, tighter emission reductions in other sectors, such as transport or agriculture. The regulation contains a strong review clause similar to that contained in the effort sharing regulation, giving the Commission the competence to uphold the requirements set forth by reviewing the overall functioning of the regulation. The regulation entitles the Commission to make proposals to ensure that the integrity of the EU's overall 2030 greenhouse gas reduction target and its contribution to the goals of the Paris Agreement are respected. This includes proposals towards additional EU policies and measures in the view of necessary increase in greenhouse gas emission reductions and removals. Finally, the new LULUCF regulation 
takes a novel approach to emissions accounting. There's a recognized need to build resilience through our forests to respond to the tightening climate needs instead of closing the door to the climate mitigation potential they offer. The regulation clearly signals that it's, it is a work in progress containing commitments that are to tighten sooner than later. For the member states, this underlines the need to be need to implement progressive climate policies also in relation to forests. That, is, that was all I wanted to share on the two regulations. I will next wrap up the podcast with a few concluding thoughts. The effort sharing and LULUCF regulations are complementary and will play a decisive role in EU climate policy beyond 2021. These regulations are components of a systemic transition towards a low-carbon future. Social needs, policy objectives and regulatory demands are likely to coincide and conflict and further study of the regulatory interlinkages between, within and beyond these sectors covered by the two regulations is accordingly needed. The two regulations put member states' climate integrity to a test. They create an explicit regulatory framework for the member states to design and implement national climate measures. However, their success depends ultimately upon how ambitiously the member states employ the discretion this framework allows them with. Moreover, because the regulations are tightly connected both with the EU's internal development and to the progress at international level in the context of the Paris Climate Agreement, these regulations have to be reviewed and revised as the international climate regime advances. Furthermore, a revision of the EU climate and energy framework is already envisioned in the EU Green Deal that explicitly states that to deliver the required greenhouse gas emission reductions to reach the carbon neutrality target by 2050, the Commission is soon to revise all relevant climate-related policy instruments, including these two regulations. This will most likely entail more ambitious targets and measures for the future. This is where I end my podcast. Thank you for listening.